Does everything have a bright side to it? Of course. It doesn't always outweigh the negatives, but everything has a bright side to it. This makes happiness a choice. And here we say that the discipline of being happy is the ultimate discipline. With that said, welcome to the Ultimate Discipline Podcast, where we meet with people who are practitioners of this exact discipline, and we hear their cool stories of cultivating happiness through challenges in their life. I am your host, Sean Greenspan. Let's get to it. Don, how are you doing today, man? Brother, I am doing well. It is a beautiful day. We're wrapping up 2022. It, uh, life is good, man. Dude, life is good. For those that don't know, um, I came across Don a couple of months ago, him setting the world record for the most miles on a assault treadmill, um, one of those self-paced treadmills. I got introduced to him and we became pretty close buddies since. And it's been it's been fun. We've had a chance to do some work together. We're gonna we're planning to meet up in January and in February. And uh, I am super excited for you guys to have a chance to learn from um, Don. He's put a lot of hard work in, um, built a lot of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm just stoked to have you here. So a lot of gratitude, Don. Thanks. Yeah, likewise, man. It's it's been one of those uh, just synergistic relationships, like right off the bat, where we clicked and found out you're going to become visiting this small town that I live in. And it's just the, the Stoke level kept getting higher and higher every time we chatted. So yeah, um, yeah this is this is awesome. This this budding relationship is awesome. And, uh, and the community that we've kind of slowly been chiseling away around us is, has been quite inspiring for me. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Well, Don, um, l- let me uh, let me flip it over to you to give just a little intro of yourself and I'm just going to break down the barrier. No need to be too humble here. You've done some pretty awesome stuff. When I heard your one of your 100-mile times, I, I felt I felt a way about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me let me directly respond to that is that um you know, never never compare yourself to another athlete. I think that's that's yeah. really important, right? We're 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 definitely different body shapes. You're a a football shape, I'm a runner shape. <laughs> um no, but but to that point, and this is something that I believe really, really strongly in, is that the only person you should ever compare yourself to is yourself from yesterday. Yeah. And so it's like looking at my times and before I get off into the, some of this stuff, it's it's like my my stuff doesn't matter as long as you're out there kind of pushing yourself and and growing yourself. So yeah. um, with that with that caveat, that's like my my little like soapbox that I always say was like, oh, my God, you did this. It's like, yeah, well, that doesn't matter to you. Um so yeah. that's, that's my little soapbox moment on, on, you know, on that, but, but yeah, I, um, I, I live in a little town called fair play, Colorado with my wife and two dogs, uh, for the people that, yeah, I was going to say if, if, if you're like, what the heck is fair play? It's about a town of 700 people, but it was made famous by the cartoon South park. So I literally live in South park. Um, pretty rad there. I, am a professional ultra distance racer so uh, my specialty is 100 mile runs um with a personal best of 13 hours and 16 minutes so one of the the few americans to ever run under eight minute mile pace for 100 miles on trail so that's uh that's kind of my one of my crowning achievements i've i've been on the podium at a race called badwater which is 135 miles through death valley in july i most recently set three world records on the assault runner treadmill. So furthest distance run in 12 hours on a manual treadmill. 
furthest distance run in 24 hours on a manual treadmill and fastest hundred mile time on a manual treadmill. Um, I've got some really big, exciting races coming up in 2023 that I'm sure we'll get into something that is big, scary, and audacious for me, which is exciting, which is what I get out of bed for. And, uh, yeah, on top of that all, I, I, I work a full-time job. I, I work for, a, a biometric health company called Aura Ring and yeah, man, I just, I try to, to live my best life every day through, through health and wellness and just building community of happiness around me. Yeah, Don. Uh, th- thank you for that. And we're gonna we're gonna have to unpack some of these stories in here. <laughs> uh, I I do want to tell you uh, something that I really admire about you. I don't. Um, my brother told me something. I was just recently with him that I'm trying to embody. Uh, just moving forward for the rest of my life, and it's that uh, a lot of complaints shouldn't be said, but are said, and compliments go unsaid. And yeah. I just. I can't agree with that anymore. And I want to tell you, I really, really admire your um, your your discipline, but really like not even with running, uh, just like everything, you know, uh, things that we'll probably get into the fact, you know, how how cautious you are around your diet, right? Your plant based diet. And to mm-hmm. it's not just I eat vegetables, it's I grow most of my vegetables. So <clears throat> I know exactly, you know, what's what's going into them, um, how I sleep, right? how you train, like you have a full-time job, we're building yeah. your personal brand. Um, so that's something I really admire about you. You know, Thank it's you. funny. Yeah, of course, man. I It's an area that I feel proud about myself and I meet someone. Yeah. Like, I'm, and that's, that's what gravitates uh, me to you. I'm like, man, like something I feel like I'm here, right? And Don's here. Like, let me spend time with this man and see what he's up to. So um, really, really, you know, happy to, uh, Happy to be inspired by you and be close to you. And, and hopefully I can reciprocate some of that. <laughs> Man, I, I appreciate that. And I, I mean, likewise, I'm learning from you literally every day right now. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer in kind of getting into areas that you're uncomfortable with and, and figuring out who are the people that you can learn something from in that area. And, and as, as we found quickly, I've, I've, I've lashed onto your uh, social and branding knowledge pretty quickly. And like, I, I feel like I'm learning a ton from you and I'm inspired by you and, and what you've built on, on, you know, in your professional life. So like, this is, this is, this podcast isn't just going to be us going back and forth, complimenting each other, but um, <laughs> like the, the love goes both way on this computer screen. And um, I think that's, that's the beauty of, uh, you know, just life is meeting people that you feel this way about that can help you get to where you want to be. And, you know, to your, to your comment on discipline, discipline is something that less talented athletes can really rely on to get to where they want to be. To be totally Mm -hmm. honest, I'm not, I'm not the most talented runner on the planet. I, I can't wake up and run a 15 minute 5k like some people can but I know what goals I want to accomplish. So being disciplined as far as my training, my diet, my sleep, my recovery, those are the pinnacles for me that help me get that extra 1% that I need to be competitive as a professional ultra distance athlete. Um, so that's, you know, kind of, kind of to your point, discipline is, is the key for, for athletes that are willing to just put in the extra work that are willing to sacrifice whatever the sacrifice would be. Um, that's going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. I, and what, what's the driver for you to work so hard in this area? Because, um, 
right? So I got into these hundreds really through my friend Jason Hine. Um, he called me one day and he uh, he said, hey, Sean, in six weeks, I'm running 100. Um, I need someone to pace me. I said, yeah, I'm in when and where, right? He's a good buddy of mine. He goes, it's in Utah. I was like, okay, cool. And he goes, and uh, it's just for the back half of the race. And I was like, oh, just 50 miles. And at this point, <laughs> it's 50. I, think, I think once I ran a half marathon, this was about two years ago. Um, and I was like, whatever, I'm in. Um, whatever that trickled to me end up, I only ran 22 miles with him. My foot hurt. I quit on him. And that just lit a fire in me to kind of get going on these. But, you know, when I finished my hundred, yeah, there's some, some sense of pride when I finish it, but it's not like, Mm -hmm. it's definitely not enough to like justify the six months of every moment thinking about it and training. Um, it, you know, there, there's something more to it. So I'm wondering like, what's your, you know, what's kind of your why? What's the reason that you're really focused on these hundreds? Yeah, I, I've thought about that a lot, right? I'm a, I'm on the older side of, of competitive, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm 37. So there's a, there's a lot of guys that are out here coming out of college that are super elite. And I, I was never there, as I just said, but I've always had this, this thought that like, where, where are my limits? Like, what could I, what can I accomplish? If I go all in on something, what can I accomplish? I, I absolutely will never be the guy that is laying on his deathbed, looking back and saying like, if I only would have done this, what could I have done? Like, I want to take that out of my history and out of, uh, out of my journals. I just want to know, I want to live a life knowing that I pushed myself to the best I could be in one area and got the results. And, and I'm, I'm totally at peace. If I've, for whatever reason, reached that, or if I find that, hey, my absolute best is not good enough to compete X, Y, and Z race, I'm totally fine with that. As long as at the end of the day, I can put my head on my pillow knowing that I sacrificed, I did everything I could to explore what my limit was. Um, and I, and I, I, I firmly believe I haven't reached that. I, I think I can run a faster hundred miler. I think I could run longer for 24 hours. I think I can win more races. And, um, that's, that's what currently drives me is, is like, what is that limit? And I, the races like, like going out and trying to run sub eight minute miles. That was one like running bad water, right? Like that's a race that like few people have an opportunity to do. More people have climbed Mount Everest and have finished bad water. So like these races are always, I go into them thinking like, is this the day that I end up crying on the side of the trail and I've reached my limit and I haven't gotten there yet. And uh, I just, I love the idea of pushing yourselves and waking up doing hard things because every time you do that, you learn something about yourself. And so I'm, Mm. I'm still learning about myself daily. Um, I'll be curious. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this back on you in a second to, to figure out and hear what you learned in your hundred mile race. But like I, I've done, I think, 1,500 plus mile races at this point, and I have learned so much during the training for each one and during the racing for each one. So, so Sean, what have you learned now that you're a 100 mile finish veteran? Like, what did you learn during the training of that and the finish of that? Yeah, um, you got me at you got me at a good time because you know, my race <laughs> was, race was 20 days ago, 19 days ago. Um, so you got me at a time where I've definitely had a little time to think about it. It's fresh. Um, Cause as you know, us ultra runners, I guess I can throw myself in there now. Um, have a short term memory. You say you'll never do one of these again and then you do another. <laughs> yep. For, for me with the training, 
I was really proud of kind of the discipline. So something that I struggle with in life is I'm an ideas guy and I have a lot of energy. So I chase a lot of ideas and sounds good. But I also, there's a quote I live by, focus wins. And uh, I should say I want to live by and I don't always. And, you know, that's what, that's what really, I think I was able to focus for six months of training. Um, six months is what I say. I signed up for the race like four months before, but I signed up right after a 50K ultra. So I trained for that for like two months, like six months of like real training. I was able to really focus. And it's funny. I love, um, I love spending time with my girlfriend. I love spending time on new business ventures. I love exploring uh, with people versus like running alone in the woods. I love weightlifting, trying to build muscle. Um, and all these things that I wasn't able to do. I love playing basketball. I almost played no basketball during that time because I was running three hours a day. I didn't have time or energy to play hoops after. Right. But those, those like couple times playing basketball, couple times here, couple times there, they don't add up to anything in like the grand scheme of things. Being able to just say like, you know, I committed to this and did it made it feel so much sweeter when I crossed the finish line. Totally. Um, so, so through training, it was definitely discipline and and kind of like focus and proving to myself I could commit to something. As far as the race goes, um, <clears throat> I believe, I believe every, and, and this sounds, uh, this might sound controversial or a little whatever, but <clears throat> I believe every single problem that humans face comes down to a lack of being aware and present in the moment. Um, that yep. I think that can solve everything. And um, it's really easy to say, hey, I can stay focused for this long. It's another thing to do it, right? And I, I was, I really believe that I was locked in for almost the entire race. I mean, that was, that was just the best practice I've ever had for my yeah. awareness and focus that I could imagine. Um, my mantra that I kept telling myself, especially on the back end was I never want this to end. And yeah. the, the reason I was saying that was, you know, you, you have the other people, what mile are we on? you know, what time is it? Right. Like yeah. that. Yeah. But do you think about it? Like Don, uh, like what's like the most, like, you know, pleasurable thing ever, like eating something that just tastes so good. Like, you, like you just raise pizza. Yeah. Right. Like eating something that's so good. Like you never want that, that, that experience to end. Right. So yep. if you really love something, you don't want it to end, man. And I just kept telling myself that. And I was like, and I, I, a little spiritual, but I believe that, uh, you know, time is just perception. Yeah. So if I was really locked in with my awareness, um, it would feel like this race was longer and longer and longer in a good way. Like I got to experience yep. this race more. Yeah. So those are the two big things for me, commitment and then kind of like, like really practicing my awareness. Yeah. And I, I, I love that mantra. I think mantras are so important in races like that. And, and it's, because you truly mean it. And then every once in a while, when you're kind of going through a low spot, the mantra kind of reminds you and gets you out of it for me anyways. And mine, mine, I have a couple, but one that I say a lot is I get to do this. Like, I don't, I don't have to do this. There, there are people in this world that are running from things that you and I will never, ever be able to comprehend, right? Like there are people running from 
from war crimes and genocide and things that like we can't even think about. And I get to go out and like take a weekend off work and go run through the woods looking for tents with food in them. Like that's pretty freaking cool, man. Like, yeah, like I like to do it fast and I like to do it faster, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we're able to do and that we get to do it. We don't have to, we get to. And I think that is something that I remind myself in those low moments. It's like, you know what? Like, this is what I'm here for. I'm here for those moments where it hurts a lot because that's living. That's like, that's experiencing something like, like putting yourself in that discomfort for me is really experiencing life. There are people that don't put themselves in the discomfort zone that they live in that box of comfort and you don't really experience a whole lot. And I, I, I prefer to think like I, I get to go out, push my boundaries, experience oh, yeah. discomfort, but also love that discomfort. <clears throat> Hell yeah, man. I, I love that. I get to do this, right? Like it, it's optional. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day yeah. for us, the suffering's optional, luckily. And you know, when you hear so many people that have done great things in this country, in this world, um, it always starts with some crazy background story about how they were the underdog growing up. And, um, there's, it's unfortunate that it's forced upon them, but there's a lot of beauties in there. And if if you're someone that has the opportunity to, um, to not, you know, like to, to control your discomfort, if you will, I mean, that's, that's really cool. So I I like this. I get to do this. I want to ask you if something resonates with you. Um, David Goggins, you've heard of him. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he has uh, his first 100 miler that he talked about in his first book was the one mile loop course in San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. Yeah. And he says that he experienced 10 years of emotion in 24 hours. Um, is that is that kind of along the lines of what you're getting yeah. there? Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good way of putting it. It's you just it just amplifies everything. I mean, I. I, we're, we're both dudes, right? We don't always express emotion. Well, I know I don't want, I don't mean to speak for you, Sean, but uh, I'm going to kind of take the generality that you're a ex collegiate football player and athlete. And like, I, I'm a, a athlete and a guy and we don't always express emotion. And I find that really long races break down those barriers for me. And so I can, like, I can, feel I can express I can tell people things that like I'm usually very controlled and guarded during my day-to-day life because everything is somewhat calculated but the calculations during you know mile 80 of 100 it's kind of just a free flow of thoughts and so yeah it's for me it's like not only am I feeling a lot but I'm more I'm like I'm sharing a lot and I'm telling my like it, my wife and I have this conversation is that during a race, she always, she crew chiefs me and she's like the absolute world's best crew chief. Cause she can like keep me on track. She knows if I need tough love, if I need just like a hug or a kiss, like what, what I need. But I'm also like, she keeps telling me, she's like, I, I love crewing you. Cause this is the one time that like you're over the top telling me how much you need me and sharing your feelings and thoughts. And, and so it's like, it's, it's, it's so interesting that yes, I am feeling all this, but I'm also the boundaries of like being guarded as a, as a male and whatever are, are taken away. And I just, I tell people I love them and I thank them profusely for being there and support me. I cry. Like I, I celebrate, I just, you feel everything and you share everything. And this is, 
I, I just, I love that aspect of it that people, if you spend a time on my crew, like you'll know how I feel about you. And, uh, there's no, there's no holding back that like how much I love the people that are there supporting me, how much I appreciate it. Um, like I'll cry like a baby at the finish line. I'll, I feel everything in between. Yeah, man. Dude, feeling it's pretty important, huh? <laughs> it, it it is, it is, and it's 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 pretty important. This goes back to what you said when we started, right? Is that we feel things, but we don't always share things on the positive, and and that's like ultra running is like, especially when you think about it, these are a group of people. When it comes to my crew and my my pacers, they're taking time off of work from me, right? Like it's 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 a very selfish ask to say, hey, like I don't know what you have going on, but you help me get to the finish line of this thing for me. It's kind of a selfish ask and it, having people willing to be like, hell yeah, I am there without even thinking twice about it. Then you know that like one, you've created a, a community of love and respect and, and people are like, want to be a part of it. But, but you've shown them in the past that like, I truly appreciate this thing that you're doing. And then yeah. you're giving them an experience back out of it too, that, that they might not otherwise have and want to be a part of. So it's, it's, I just, I can't speak highly enough for the experience of ultra running, for the experience of the community of ultra running. And I, I, I'm so excited that you've experienced it now. I feel like interviews with people that have experienced it are different than people that yeah. haven't because you get it now. And, you know, whoever's listening to this, like whatever, it doesn't have to be a hundred mile race, whatever your ultra is, right? That could just be a metaphor for that really hard thing you want to do in your life that you need help to do it. Like go out and ask for help. And it's amazing if you, if you are appreciative, if you show love, if you give back to the people that are helping you, like it, it, it'll mean something to you. It'll mean something to them. And they'll be back in your corner the next time you ask. Yeah, man, you couldn't have said it any better. I mean, first of all, talking about the importance of feeling and emotions, right? Like it is a lot of things that people are type A trying to get as much as they can done, trying to calculate things to, you know, to get everything done, um, have, have, have tough time with, right? So I believe that like anything we're trying to do well in this world, we need to get to the point of intuition, meaning yeah. like uh, I was talking to my dad about my diet and he, his first comment was, whoa, you think a lot about it. And I'm, st I'm really at the place now where like, I don't think a lot about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I eat fruits, vegetables, lean meats, nuts, basically like right. pretty, pretty straightforward, some grains. Um, and I just kind of like see things like, like, I, 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 if I look at like a bag of chips, like I just, that's not something I eat. It's like the same as looking as at like a tennis ball. Like I just don't eat <laughs> <laughs> a good perspective. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just not, I don't put that in my body anymore. Where I used to like fight, I used to have to like think about it. But what you were saying about bring people along, you know, I think the reason that that they do it is one, they want to support you, right? Like in in these races. But the other thing is, um, it's a chance for them to, I mean, to to see like greatness. And I'm gonna call it greatness because I think anyone that's running a hundred miles, that's yeah, great. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and on so many levels, people like to be a part of good things. I mean, dude, it almost made me tear up. Like after my hundred, my brother was like, does it, my brother, like they didn't go to sleep once. Like they met me yeah. the whole time. Mine was 25 hours, not 13. All right. So they were, they were up for a while. And Jeffrey goes, does it, is it weird that it feels like this was a team victory? And I was like, Jeffrey, the first yes. six hours of the race was 35 degrees and pouring rain. If you guys yeah. weren't there to help me change my socks, dry off, like, do you think I was finishing? Cause I wasn't, you know, right. like, 
And honestly, the Devil Dog 100 race was really put on well. I thought they could have had more better food. Um, And like, I was real, I, I, and like, I was planning to rely on them a little more. But what I ended up doing was I said, hey, I should be able to run this without any of their food. So like, I packed like enough for the entire thing. And like, you know, they brought it to every aid station, right? Like, it was totally a team. Yeah. It was totally, totally a team win. And the last thing that I want to, that that just like, I don't know, comes to my mind here is um, really about like, like my brother's not going to run a hundred mile. Neither is my mom or my dad, right? At mm-hmm. least it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Um, so what am I going to do? I could try, I could, I could try to like force them to do something like that, or I can just like lead by example and give them a front row seat. Um, yeah. And that that's really what I was proud to do was to, you know, like let them see, like they saw for six months, you know, like I didn't have a sip of beer, a sip of, you know, any on yeah. big sugar or whatever. And then they saw, you know, like all the hard work. So dude, I, I feel it like, and, and it doesn't have to be an ultra marathon. It's whatever's a big, scary, audacious goal for you. Yeah. Life's a team sport, right? Like it's think about everything is the, the more community, the more support and help you can build around you, the more successful you're most likely to be. I mean, there's, there's no secret. I mean, that's, if I think about how I've gotten to where I am today, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere close I am without building a community around me of people that'll support me with my with my diet with my training with my strength goals um my wife and her family are the most important people in my crew because they they are the ones that are ensuring that I eat at aid stations that that pick me up when I'm down driving to all of my races and being there in the middle of the night to uh to give me what I need to to help me chase my goals. So um I I say you you kind of said this before but I say it all the time that ultra running is absolutely a team sport. It like I I'm not showing up to these races by myself. I'm not running in the middle of the woods by myself. I have a team behind me. Even if they're back at home, I still have a team behind me that I know is following me. That's like talking about my results. Like that is a team, that is a community. And that keeps me going. You know what I thought about during my race, you and Eric both texted me before and were like, you know, I'm going to track the race. Let me know how you're doing right when you're done. Like I'm thinking this, I'm like, I got some buddies that I can inspire right now. Like I'm going to crush this. Like, (laughs) hell yeah. 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 I, I, I love that. I love waking up and being like, Oh man, where's my, where's my guy? Or, you know, if I can't sleep, just following him through the night or I've had friends. And I told you this too. call me in the middle of the night. Like if you're in a dark spot and you need a pep talk, I'm your boy. Like call me because you getting to the finish line in that moment means more to me than whatever the hell I'm doing that day. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. I had four friends that thought I was going to have my phone on me and called me during my race. Cause they wanted to chat. <laughs> Yeah, I, I it's funny. I usually have my phone on me, even if there's no cell service. I just listen to an audio book or something like that along the way if I get bored. And um, yeah. I don't know if you were with a group of people. I'm I'm usually kind of not with a group of people, so I have to find ways to if if I get into a dark spot, what's something I can put on? And an audio book usually works pretty well because it's like yeah. you know somebody running with you telling you a, a long story. But yeah, I I I have I have been known. I had a a pretty bad experience at Leadville 100 this past year where I, I basically ran the last 60 miles without any calories and I threw up the whole way and it was awful. And, um, 
it was it was one of the hardest like experiences of my life to finish that race but i wasn't quitting but i i had my phone on me and i actually my uh my buddy is a is a sports psychologist and a clinical psychologist and like i literally called him in the middle of the race and i was like dude like i'm in a really bad spot can we just talk for three minutes and he gave me like a pep talk and gave me some things to think about and some things to focus on and it totally, it, it, I mean, it obviously didn't fix my stomach. My stomach was yeah. gone for the rest of the day, but it, it put me in a better mind space to go from I'm out here to win this race to I'm out here to finish this race for the people that came from miles away to be here for me. Like I'm not quitting for them. And like, it's, it's, it's funny having, having a phone, a friend in your pocket is, is a, is a sneaky, powerful tool. Oh, dude, I, I bet, I bet it's funny. So <clears throat> let's, let's, let's uh, dive into this a little bit because um, a little bit of this was kind of like a prideful thing, but I'd say more was um, me just, me just really trying to commit to the awareness side. So um, I, I, tr I, tr I did three things pretty uh, intentionally, no phone, no watch, and I never checked the time at any aid station. So I didn't know my time oh, until wow. I until I finished the hundred, um, I, the fifties and fifty k's I've done before this, I didn't even know my distance. This one was five twenty mile loop, so like you kind of okay, know your yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and especially after the first lap or two, you even know like you know throughout the loop, you know where you are. But <clears throat> that just like played along more with um me trying to be in the moment because you know, Don, like I'm not. I know it sounds funny. I don't have a lot of willpower around my phone and technology. My phone's in my hand. I'm checking my time, my pace the whole time. And my brain's just going to, Got it. you know, where, where, like, even if it's in my backpack, I'm making an excuse to go, you know, reach and grab it. And it just, it, my, my brain just goes to, you know, like, what's my pace? How far till this? Um, so I did think, I, I did think it was a little bit risky. Like, put it this way. I gave my brother my phone and my AirPods. And I said, if I'm down and out, you yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have your Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to take the arrogant approach. I was trying to take the, I actually thought it was a net positive for sure. And in yeah. the end it certainly was, um, you know, it, it's like an extra pound in real life, but it'd be like dragging how, a sled. Do you train without headphones and without your phone? Like how, what is your normal, like if you were to go out on an hour run, would you bring any of that stuff with you or how do you actually go? Okay. Um, so I'm starting to think about uh, how, this, but I don't track anything. Yeah. Um, so that's also probably because I'm not elite at this sport, right? Like right. what I'm doing is certainly more for the mind than the physical. And I just, again, if I have a watch on me, I love math. I love numbers. I love being analytical. I'm straight up. All right. What's my pace? How can I do this? Yep. Versus how can I, like, I actually, I, I, um, Something that I dedicate myself to a lot is the Wim Hof method. Yep. Every day I do the Wim Hof method. So um, I don't know if you've ever, ever done this, but if you do his breathing protocol without the hold, so basically just, honestly, it summarizes to over inhale. Yeah. Yeah. You're um, hyperventilating for quite a while for most people yeah, that don't know it. That, yeah. That's actually what I do um, on my runs. Uh, and okay. I just go through my nose and it, if you just go through your nose, it keeps your heart rate a little lower. But yep. so I like to say like my runs are just moving breath work. Um, I love that. Yeah. Well, I, it, 
it's different, right? It's probably not what you need for maximum speed. But for me, it's just a chance to do breath work in the woods. <laughs> but you're not you're not far off from stuff that I've experimented with, and that's like Bateco breathing, um, things like that, like, like deep, deep, but then hold, and then try to try to increase when I'm running, like so n- nasal breathing, and then when I'm running, hold for ten steps, and then go back to nasal breathing, and just kind of chasing, not when you're racing, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but when I'm racing, it's a cue that if I feel like I'm exerting myself too much, I'll go back to nasal breathing. And it's almost a natural governor that I can't I can't burn too many matches early if I'm nasal breathing. And I don't nasal breathe. I wouldn't even say the majority of a race, but it's a really cool tool to know that I I can nasal breathe and I can reset my heart rate and reset my breath rate pretty quickly if I feel like I like I pushed a little too hard on that climb or um, I got a little too squirrely at the start of the race. It's like, okay, here's my here's my trigger. Here's my cue. I'm going to go back to nasal breathing, reset the system a little bit, get my heart rate down, get my respiratory rate down, and then I'm back at it. Yeah. Dude, you, you nailed it. It's a natural governor. Okay. So I got to spend eight days with Wim Hof in Spain this summer. Oh, and that's so like cool. A few of his top trainers, it was. He I, – I, I can't I can't lie. It was that cool, and he is everything that – um, you know, people portray him to be. And, uh, you know, I met this woman who ran a 50 K and a 50 mile ultra from the couch. Okay. And, and she like literally from the couch, she said she signed up like six weeks before and her training was, she just sat down and did breath work. She never took a run before. Um, which is crazy, right? I don't know what her time were, but she finished them. And she talked about how like, like she, she's also the number one Wim Hof instructor. Like they have, ah, two, they have yeah. two tiers and then they have a third tier that are select people. She trains that third tier. So she's like, <laughs> yeah. So she's pretty, a uh, pretty big deal. Yeah. So she talks about how like, she just like gets into this zone so deep and knows how to keep oxygen moving. So she's not cramping anything like that. Yeah. Um, which, which is, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely a little bit wild. But what she was mentioning was what she um, what she did for hers, and she recommended for me, and I did it was I used nasal breathing as a governor. So I was nasal breathing until mile ninety, and mile ninety is where I felt confident enough that I was going to finish the race. And I said, "All right, I'm just going to kick it now and go yeah. as fast as I can." Um, you know, my first race, it's I came into mile sixty, and I looked at my buddy Jason. I was like, "Hey, man, I'm feeling good. Should I kick it?" And he was like, "Easy, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> you got forty four miles. I came in at mile eighty, and I was like, "Should I kick it?" And he's like, "Just a couple more miles." Yeah, I keep. Um, just, it's, yeah. It's, I I always tell like the athletes I coach, it's like the halfway point of a hundred mile race is a hundred k. Like that is, that is when you've gotten to your halfway point generally. And it's either, yeah. you know, usually it's pretty consistent time halfway, like emotional feeling halfway. So even though you only have 38 miles to go, you, you still have half the race to go. Um, so that's to your point. Yeah. It's a little, a little early. <laughs> Especially for my first run, I was getting am- ambitious, but I used, so I, for the first 90 miles, only nasal breathing. And actually that's awesome. For most of that race, <laughs> this is silly of me, but um, it's it's just, again, I don't have a lot of willpower, so I, I do these little tricks that force it. Mm-hmm. I ran with like a cup of water in my mouth. Um, oh, interesting. That, yeah. So, you know, when I say a cup, you know, I just take a sip and then I just yep. keep it in my mouth. and Kind of pocket it really, a little bit. 
really hard to breathe through your mouth if you have a cup of water in there. Um, yeah, that's that's a unique. Did you did you kind of learn that on your own, or did you pick that up from somewhere, or like where did that uh, idea come about? I took a run a couple months back with Dean Carnassus in San Francisco, okay. um, and uh, and he was talking about someone that that did that, and he tried it. It's, uh, it was, I don't want to say it was like a last ditch effort for me, but again, it was like what I did again. It wasn't the whole time cause I'm eating a lot and whatever, but, um, it was what I did when I felt like I didn't want to focus on my nasal breathing or it wasn't coming naturally. You know, you just, yeah. I just had my little thing, sipped water and just kept it in there. Um, and then basically I'd swallow it eat something and then take another sip and just leave it in there. And it's cause you know, I didn't have a watch or anything. So that was my governor yeah. of cool. Your heart rate is low enough. Um, yep. right That's now. cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Definitely. I, I, to, to your, to your point, I, it's, it's so hard with all of the metrics available to us right now to not like be obsessive and and i've been there in my life and and i i feel like i'm on the opposite side of that you're you're an outlier for sure being able to go into a 100 mile race and and be that mindful to leave all that stuff behind but even even the athletes i coach i i usually put a, a one run a week minimum on leave the watch at home like you, you, everybody has a loop that you know takes about an hour go out and just run it experience feel see like look around you listen to the birds i i i have a moving meditation that i love that's like hey like find pick a color find three things that are that color then take a couple of purposeful breaths find like take a shape find a few things that are that shape around you in nature like it's just a cool way of connecting and it's it's amazing the feedback that i get from my athletes are like i've run this route for two years and i never noticed x y and z like I, there's, there's this really cool sculpture at this house that I've never seen before. And I've run past it a thousand times. And so it's, it's, it's really powerful what you can see, notice, and be aware of if you just take the time to do it and are willing to say, you know what, the data isn't as important as my experience and my mental clarity of this run. So I, I'm a huge believer in that. I personally um, used to be obsessive over Strava and data and stuff like that. And I have pretty much gone the opposite direction of that right now in my training and racing i've deactivated strava like i don't i don't look at my runs my metrics even if i'm doing speed work the literally the only metric that i wake up and look at every single day i don't look at like training heart rate i don't look at like distance pace anything like that the only metric i look at every day is my sleep so like if that is the only metric that means anything to me right now, because that gives me an idea of what the heck happened throughout the rest of my life. How hard did I run? Um, if, if I get good sleep, if I'm really rested, I can go out and crush the day. And that's all I need to know. Yeah, man, that's really interesting. All right. I got, I, I have a lot of questions about this. Yeah, my, <laughs> yeah let's do it. My, my first one. All right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you my three questions. I'll let you pick the order. Okay. Um, my first one is: is I feel the same way that you seemingly do about the amount of data that we have, right? Like, you know, finally, when people get their macros down and their calorie intake down, you know, you, you everyone's talking about what's your your you know mineral intake like, right? Like, you know, yep. like there's just 
like and dot there's just too much man and i don't want to be lazy uneducated but again i i'm a little spiritual i really believe that like the mind is the x factor i feel like everyone's playing um uh, i feel like er like people are focusing so much time and energy on things that don't move the needle like staying staying calm and grateful in the mind i just feel like is is what moves the needle not like do I need another 300 milligrams of sodium in my diet? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I know that was a little roundabout comment, but you know, like that's, I, I, I'm, I, I play with it a lot. Cause I know like, again, like everyone's getting lab work done and checking, you know, um, yeah. d- different, you know, levels that they have going on. Um, and, and trying like their metabolic rate, their testosterone levels, like whatever. And they're trying to optimize it. And I almost, yeah, I almost feel like it's like a little stress inducing, um, yeah. which yeah. again, like, and I, I'll, yeah. I'll add an asterisk for what I said is that everything I said before, when I don't track everything that's in training, when it comes to a race, I actually, I, I don't track it myself, but this is where my wife comes in. She's a data scientist. She's the one that's doing all of the, like the number crunching and making sure that my caloric intake is good. My, my sodium is good. Like I, it's, it's easy to go out on an hour run and not care about data, but if you're running a hundred miles, like you kind of have to hit those, those calories and sodium intakes, especially for me. So, um, I, I, I definitely am aware of that in racing. I I'm not, when I go out and train, I'm not too worried about anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and, and that's fair again, different goals, right? Like I'm definitely out there solely for the mental gain. Um, and you're out there to compete, man, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think that's dialed in. So that, that was kind of, um, you know, the, the first thought I had based on that. So something else that really came to mind was the importance that you're placing on sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, it's an area I'm not educated in. Again, I feel like some of these areas, and I'm not trying to justify anything I'm doing, but I feel like I'm a practitioner versus a student. Like, yeah. I go to bed at nine o'clock every day, like a baby. I do my mm-hmm. breath work. I just fall asleep after. And I wake up seven and a half to eight hours after that, like clockwork. Yeah. Um, and I'm very grateful of that. And I'm almost yeah. just, you know, like, don't, don't stir the pot. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're an outlier in the, the sleep and recovery game. Most, most people uh, are not getting that level of sleep. And it's, it's amazing how, you know, I always say like, book an early flight and throw your sleep schedule off and you might be able to get to the, to the airport on time and have breakfast on time. But like for me and like, it throws everything off if I'm not well rested, like I, it down to like bathroom schedule and when I feel like I need to sleep and eat. And that is a, it's like a pretty severe trickle down effect for like how I feel the next day and how I perform. And so it's, it's, if, if I don't really focus on that number, it has a multi-day lasting effect on the performances yep. of my training. Well, dude, I am. Um, so I mentioned before the call, um, I, I have my glass of tea here. I'm a little sick yep. um, for the first time in what feels like a long time. Both Friday and Saturday night, I was up till 3.30 in the morning. My brother had big concerts. So I went out, support him at the concert, you know, um, 
was up partying, you know, doing things I don't usually do, uh, yeah. going to bed at 3.30, and then kind of naturally, you know, not waking up early, but nine, right? I, I can't sleep much later than nine. That's five hours of sleep. And then yeah. I was waking up and just destroying myself at the gym, right? Right, I felt like yeah. Because, yeah, your goals don't change because you got less sleep, and that's the challenge. Yeah, right, <laughs> because I, what was it? Saturday night, my dinner was an extra large pizza, and Friday, <laughs> and Friday I ate an Italian cold cut sub that was about 18 inches long. So I kind of feel like I ate like shit and needed to grind a little extra in the gym, you know, and like yeah. what, what happens Monday, wake up 5am, get my work on for work. And I'm just like, Oh man, like, so, you know, I'm definitely not sick, right? Like you, now, like it's all a trickle down. It's, it's amazing how sleep has been the one thing. And I've, I've, and I, and I do track my, my sleep and my data around sleep. And I've, I've made some pretty dramatic life changes based on sleep data. The biggest, oh. which the, the biggest changes I started realizing, and this is before I tracked like super regularly, but I started realizing that the, the, the days that I was eating a lot of meat, I was not getting what I felt the quality of sleep. And I would wake up the next day and go out for a run and I would feel really lethargic. I just, didn't have energy. I didn't have any pep in my step. And so I started thinking like, what could, what change could I make? And then, so I, I started eating less meat and then I started actually getting metrics and looking at my nighttime HRV and resting heart rate and respiratory rate and stuff like that. And then went just a little over a year ago, totally plant-based. And, um, I, I'm a big believer in N of one research. So I, I take my data now when it comes to sleep and I like, what did I do during the day and how did I sleep? and make differences. And it's been amazing. So I got a blood draw that when I made the change and I've tracked my sleep pretty regularly since, and I keep getting regular blood draws and the data continues to tell me that going plant-based, not eating meat was the right decision for me. Mm. Now I will, I will absolutely, I, the caveat here is, and I think there's a, there's some, you know, negative stigmas around plant-based athletes saying like, Oh, everybody should do this. No, I I'm an advocate for like, whatever the heck is best for you. Just figuring out like what helps you recover the best, what helps you sleep the best and make that change. Like if the data tells me tomorrow that eating meat's the right choice, I'm going to go eat meat. Like I'm not some, you know, ethical warrior that says eating meat is wrong. Like you make your own decision and choose what's best for you and what makes you feel great. But that's, that's where I'm at. And so I, I still believe in the sleep data. Cause I, like you, the days that I stay out late, I might have a drink or two. I can tell you that the next day I'm not quality training. And if I'm not quality training and my competitors are, what does that mean for the race next? So uh, I, I, I think about sleep a lot and it's a really important metric. And, and I yeah. think, yeah. Dude, I, I love that. You know, it made me, it made, it's making me think that uh, I kind of want to test a plant-based diet just to test, right? Like, just like try it, yeah. see, like, see what happens and like you know is do i love meat and do i eat it for breakfast lunch and dinner every day yeah but uh i could let that go if i'm gonna have more energy sleep better recover better live longer be happy you know like you know, that's where just, i was i i smoked meat like three or four days a week out on the smoker like i was doing full chickens and briskets and slabs of meat and i i i miss smoking meat, right? The, the act of the science behind getting the temperatures right and the time right. It was, it was a cool yeah. part of my life that I decided one day, 
not for me anymore. And the data, the, the, the data, I guess I would say made that decision for me. Nice. What, so you keep saying track sleep, what are you tracking? Yeah. So I, um, so I, I use aura ring right now and, and I, the main components that I'm looking at is HRV. So I look at, I, I look at it at a pretty granular level. Most people look at average HRV at night, but what I, I look at that, but I also look at the graph, the chart of HRV, cause it's, it can really tell you like, when did your body become most restful? Um, so if I, I train usually two sessions in the morning, two sessions at night, and then obviously work all day in between. So I, I, my average HRV chart is probably a little bit more skewed. I'm not getting to my maximum HRV until like morning time, which is, you know, kind of on paper, not ideal, but it's, it's just the way it is when it comes to, you know, working full-time and training full-time. So I'm, I'm looking at that. I, the days that the HRV doesn't spike until like really, really late or might not spike at all. Or the days that I was like, okay, well I might not be as rested this morning. My body might not be as recovered this morning as it was previously. So that's a big one for me. Um, I also, I also like looking at body temperature. Um, this is one that not a lot of people know how to use, but so the body naturally will start cooling itself off at night. This is why we sweat. This is why we, why we lose weight at night is because your body, the, the cooling system in the body kicks in at night. And so if you look at a temperature chart at night, and again, I use, I use my ordering to track this. It, it should look ideally like a, like a U, um, something like that. Like you're going to drop during the night. And then as you get closer to waking up, it's going to, your body temperature is going to raise. So things that, that I will start looking at is when did that low body temperature hit? If it was later, okay, maybe I need to rethink about what I did the night before. Um, things like taking a short, warm shower, taking a really quick little sauna. Actually, it's counterintuitive because it's warming you up. But what that does is that kicks in your your body's ability to start cooling itself, and you'll you'll kind of start that clock a little earlier. So that's yeah. the temperature. The temperature graph is a really good way for me to look at like, what were the behaviors that I did before bed? Uh, maybe the last half of the day and how did that affect my sleep? So those and are two. And then um, I've used things like a respiratory rate um, and pulse ox to even down to picking out pillows. Um, like let's get a, yeah. every, every pillow company in, in the country has this like, you know, 90 day trial or, you know, whatever. Well, go out and get a couple, get a week's worth of data on your sleep and, like, don't just wake up and be like, mm, this pillow felt okay. Actually put some data behind that. I, I picked a, I picked a pillow based on what was my, my best resting heart rate. What was my best respiratory rate? My yeah. pulse ox and HRV were all consistent with this um, one pillow. And use, so, or use aura ring to, to like track your, your sleep. What pillow did you use? Um, I got to look into it. Yeah. So it's, it's a company called Lagoon. Um, Lagoon sleep is the name of this pillow company. They, um, they have a pretty cool and, and so i i went on their website and i found them that they, they had, i don't know it was like a ad that popped up well, like right you start so you start searching for something and then all ads start coming to you and so i looked up this lagoon sleep pillow and and um there's a little quiz or whatever it's like what kind of sleeper are you so i i got yeah. a couple i got two different pillows from them on and like three or four different pillows from a couple other brands and um just tried them all out i, I did again n of one research it worked for me to to figure out like hey this lagoon sleep pillow worked better than any other pillow and it's literally to this day a pillow that i travel everywhere with because why why would i trust a hotel pillow 
uh, right before a race, like probably the best, like the most important night of sleep is two nights before a race. Why would I trust a hotel pillow or an Airbnb pillow when I can pack this pillow that I've data behind saying is the best yeah. for me? So, yeah, you chose. Um, so yeah, dude, that that that's that's awesome. You know the it's really interesting, um, <clears throat> especially this last six months when I've been training a lot harder with uh, cardiovascular training. Um, I have been waking up sweating every night. I'd say twice a week I change my clothes because I sweat through them at night, which is probably TMI and disgusting. But <laughs> dude, I just, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I slept with the fucking windows open in Northern Idaho where it was yep. eight degrees outside. Um, and then, you know, I think generally I sleep too hot. I'd like the house to be 62 to 65, but yeah, I'm not the sole decision maker. Um, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think um, I, you know, I just, I, I don't know. Like that's something. This, this is really interesting to me, and uh, I think this is like that's something I'd like to test. Mainly because I, I, I clearly went on a couple tangents about like not getting too much data and stuff. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why this excites me. I'm not saying this is right, but I'll, I'll, this is what my thought process is. Measuring your sleep is not going to affect your sleep. 100%. Measuring your run will affect your run. If I'm right. trying to enjoy a run and I'm like this, oh, my pace is this, my heart rate is this, that it, I'm analytical, I'm not in a you know creative mindset. Um, so so I, that's why I, I, I'm stoked about this. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, you, can't, you can't obsess over your sleep data. It kind of is what it is. You wake up and there it is. And, and then you can look back and say like, oh, yeah, like, I had two drinks last night and I slept like crap. Well, yeah. Um, so you can use it to drive those healthier behaviors the day before and kind of just be more cognizant of, you know, for me, days that I meet, not sleeping well. Great. Here's a correlation. Um, what change can I make? And so, yeah, you're, you're not going to get better sleep or worse sleep because you're tracking your sleep. It's just a, it's a really consistent metric that will uh, allow you to, to kind of guide your life in a, in a healthier, more well method. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Um, well, Don, what's next, man? What's next for you? Dude, I've, I've got, I, I've got something. So I'm, I'm really big on doing things that are big and scary and, and kind of, are, you know, just, just scare you, right? Do something scary is, is, is a pillar of mine and do something scary, Don. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like do something scary. Um, the sweatshirt I'm wearing right now on the back says destroy what destroys you. Um, right. Which is a, which is a cool saying when you think about like signing up for something that is, I know it's going to destroy me. I'm going to go out and destroy it. And it's this 250 mile race from, uh, it's called Coconut 250 running from black Canyon city, just outside of Phoenix up to Flagstaff. And that's in May. And so I, I have a really big schedule of races that I'm going to be using as training races before that. But that's, that's the, the big, scary, audacious thing that's facing me down right now. And, um, like I, I have never run that before. My, my furthest race that I've ever competed in was 153 miles. So this is a hundred miles more than that, right? This is a, that's a, that's a lot more distance to, to face. So I, I, I'm excited about it. I'm terrified about it. And that's what keeps me getting out of bed and excited about training is the, is the healthy fear. Don, I dude, that, that gets me excited. I know you have a crazy race schedule leading up to it. And it's smart to use it as races because I I was talking to my buddy J so Jason Hine keep that keep that name here he's gonna live with us in February 
in fair play and you'll you will definitely meet him he he's done uh 250 um except he did it unsupported so he carried all his food <laughs> all by himself um yeah. and he, he did the jmt plus 50 miles dude he's a dog um but you know great person for you to learn from he can learn a ton from you and he will pick your brain on it but um i was i get, i did a little after action report for my race and i told him i was like you know, Jason, I really was fortunate. I didn't have a low moment. I was like, really, if I could do it again, I probably would have just got, you know, my longest training run was 50, 55 miles, something like that. Um, and I was like, I probably just would have got a couple longer runs in. And he's like, honestly, Sean, no. Like, yeah. you just do another 100 in a few months or a year or whatever. You know what I mean? He's like, at like, like the races are races and training runs, you know, yeah. like, he did a hundred miler to a month before he did the two fifty. just cause he's yeah. like, if I'm going to do a hundred miler, you know, I may as well yeah. have aid support. <laughs> there was totally. funny when you were talking in the beginning about being like supportive of everyone. I think, I think being grateful to, for the volunteers is, is a must. Oh yeah. 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 That's, that's the, it's funny. Cause I give all of my pacers a pep talk that look, I have two expectations on my pacers. And this could go into a whole nother conversation, but two expectations when they pace me is one, they're positive, polite, and thankful to everybody they interact with as we go. Like other crews, other racers, other pacers, but most importantly, volunteers, like they don't have to be there. They choose to. And then the second one is pick up trash. Like as you go, if you see trash on the ground, pick it up. Like I... If, if I have one legacy in this sport, I want to be known as a steward of like healthy, positive, like emotions and then healthy trails. Like let's, let's leave a lasting impact of like, we are leaving it better than we found it. We are taking things with us. We're smiling through the pain, smiling through the challenges. And like, I, I could never win another race again and be proud of the legacy that I've left of like you know, just basically giving back to the trails, keeping them healthy, keeping them like safe for other people to experience. And then uh, just being a steward of the community of ultra running. Don, dude, I, uh, I, 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 I feel you on that one, man. <laughs> I, I like, I don't know. We both explore the outdoors. I picked up every piece of trash and it hurt my back like hell to pick yeah, them up. Wow, yeah. Lady. Yeah. That's why I have my pacers do it. When I like later in the race, like I don't, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to bend down and pick everything up, but like, hey. And then so, so you'll, you'll see like I, um, Leadville, last really hard race. I, I was in a bad spot, but I would still be like, hey, trash and like point stuff out along the way. And it almost became like this positive leapfrog of trash pointing out to my pacers like, hey, like how much shit can I make you pack in your pack by the time we get to the finish line? Uh, <laughs> so it was like, it's like a fun little positive mindset uh, to do I, that. I, I love it, dude. I love it. Um, it's it's funny. I, I always try to keep the, the, um, the volunteers happy and they kept saying like, hey, how are you doing? What can I do for you? I'm like, I usually run in the woods, but I don't have people cooking for me. So you, I know <laughs> there's nothing you can do besides maybe give me, you know, a pancake or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think part of that is, is one of the things that I, I believe into as an, as an elite runner is, is volunteering myself. Um, I think, you know, and I, I don't want to speak badly about other pros and elites, but you very rarely see them at aid stations working and, and there are a few that are amazing. And, I, and this is definitely not the, you know, the, 
total totality of, of the pro field, but very few of them take their weekends and just say, Hey, I'm going to go cook quesadillas in a tent in the middle of the woods. So it's something that's really important to me is to find that time to give back. Even if it's just, I, I mean, I, I, I volunteered all day Sunday after hard rock. And then I course cleared. I'm going to do that again this year. Find a race that you love that you just want to be a part of, even if you can't race it and, and give back because you're allowing that other person an opportunity of their lifetime to finish that race. And and you get to be on that other side of it and see that energy and feel it. And, and it's, it's a really special experience to be a volunteer too. Hell yeah, man. That's, that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing to focus on. Um, and it's something that I want to do more this year is service in general. Um, and maybe that's one way that I can incorporate that into my life. So yeah, yeah. Saying. It's, it's, it's very rewarding. Because you, especially, you know, the, the, the front of the pack, they get their stuff and go, but those people that, I mean, I, you were probably in a dark spot by yourself at some point, And somebody probably said something to you that uplifted your spirits and meant like, oh gosh, thank you for saying that. And, um, you get to be that for so many people and it's, it's, it's emotionally uplifting to be that and to give back and to show that energy and love to somebody that really needs it. Um, I take that. I take that back into my training and it, it helps me as an athlete. Yeah. I, uh, it, you, you, it's almost like a cheap dopamine hit. Totally. Um, and, and you know, I'll take what I can get, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's free and it helps somebody else. Like, why wouldn't you go after it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, dude, I, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this and we could probably go forever because I already, I kind of want to dive deeper into like exact protocols that you're doing for races. I want to get back more into the story about how you got into it, but, um, we should, uh, we could shoot one in person in the, in Eric Sisu sauna. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll see you in like 10 days. Yeah. Something like that. Well, dude, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a green light for something that someone like you probably loves. Uh, either in actually both when I see you in January and then when I see you in February, uh, pick, pick a crazy training run that I'll join you on. Um, Oh yeah, baby. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll grind through it. Make, make it a fun one, make it a memorable one. And, uh, Uh, make sure you bring a bunch of cold weather gear when you come out here in a few weeks. Uh, I'll (laughs) I'll just say that I already, I already know what we're doing. Um, and it's gonna, it's gonna challenge us both. (laughs) Good. Good. It's so funny when you say challenges both. I can't tell you, like I had some friends run with me or whatever. And like, 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 do, you know, I would do like a 30 mile training run and they would be like, oh, like, you know, that's easy for someone like you. I'm like, what makes you think that? Like, yeah. no. <laughs> like, no, it's like, I'm, it's, so I, it might challenge me more than it's going to challenge you, Don. But like, I know it's so going to challenge you. You're stronger than I am. That's the, the, we'll, we'll find something that's like strength, uh, uphill based where, where your, your skill set will will shine <laughs> good good that, that, that's what i need i need to le- uh, level the playing field a little well don uh i just can't tell you how much i appreciate this going on um right and um you know you, know, you have a full-time job you're working on a personal brand you're training a million hours a day you sleep enough um so for you to take an hour out from uh me and my community i appreciate it and i really was uh i hope that this experience was energizing for you i like to I like to communicate with energy. And if your energy tank's more full than when it started, <laughs> like, we did a good job. Yeah, man. And, and it's, it's funny. It's the, it's the end of the year. We're wrapping up 2022, thinking about 2023. And, and sometimes it's, 
like you forget about what you've accomplished. And and I, I'm not saying this in an egotistical way or a, like a bragger sort of way, but it's, it's sometimes it's, it's important to talk about your success in an open platform and be reminded that like, you know what, I've done some cool shit this year and it's so easy to focus on what you haven't accomplished or what you, you might've forgotten to do or not. And, and taking time for me just to, to talk about what got me to where I'm at is, is definitely exciting because I, I'm a, I'm a competitor. I'm always looking to that next thing. And I forget sometimes to look backwards and remind myself what got me here and stay humble. So conversations like these definitely ground me, keep me humbled, remind me of the the grind, the success and, and, and reignite that flame for like, let's run it back. Let's do it again next year. Like I want to be having the same conversation year end 2023 saying like, Hey, we did all this cool stuff. Go out there and well, yeah. be, a, be a happy, helpful human and um, just crush life. Dude, you, you, you got to remind yourself, man, you got to be grateful for yourself and remind yourself what's going on. So many people, you know, like when you work hard to this stuff, like um, I almost feel like life is about celebrating sometimes but that you also have to earn the celebration, right? Totally. Um, yep. So it doesn't mean that we just sit back and celebrate, but um, I think life really is about celebration. So every every part of celebration, goal setting, mindful goal setting, chasing yep. the goal, achieving the goal, and then taking time to reflect and learn from it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and this is, I'm going to go back to the very first soapbox I got on is, is find your own celebration, right? Don't, do not look at other people's celebration and success and like use that as a reason not to celebrate your own success because whereas you know me running a 13 hour 100 might be my celebration you running a mile your first ever mile is worth maybe even more celebration than that so um it's it's so hard in the social media world that we live in to not compare yourself to others but that is like the biggest pillar that i can just keep pounding into people is find your own celebrations. Like what does success look like for you and you alone? alone. Go out, accomplish it and then celebrate it. Yeah, dude. I, um, you know, I think, you know, I was kind of messing around the beginning saying like, Hey, like it's not, my time is not as good as yours. Cause I I agree with you, right? Like, you know, it's so funny. I ran this hundred. What's everyone's first question. What place did you get? I'm like, guys, (laughs) who cares? (laughs) Literally who cares? I'm like, look, I got eighth. If if twenty different people were added to yeah. the field, I would have got twenty eighth. Right. If, yeah. If it was if it was a different group that signed up, I would have got first. That yeah. does that yeah. change how I did? Like not at all. Um, you know, um what what you know what what made me happy was I just went back to from the beginning was that I I just reflected on it and felt like I kept I kept a sharp mind, right? And that that's yep. really what I wanted. Um, and then yeah, I was gonna say for for that perspective. So, in 2020, I ran my I ran the third fastest hundred mile time in the world in 2020, Whoa. and I was third place in that race. So think about that, right? Like the first one and two fastest were also in the same race I was in. If they don't show up, I win that race. Like it, but it doesn't matter. I walked into that race knowing like what I wanted to accomplish time wise, and I ran it. And I was like, I did. I being third place is like the furthest consideration for my mind in that race because i did what i wanted to so yeah define your own success don't let a number of people before you or after you define your own success because you know what you're capable of and go out do it and celebrate it whether you're eighth 28th or first dude that's 
cr- what what race was that? <laughs> it's Tunnel Hill 100. Wow. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it was a, a fast day. Yeah, that 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 is a fast day. That's that's good, man. Um, think about think about what uh, what some of your goals are going to be for uh, Coca Dona. I'm excited to talk to you about like what you want to get out of it. I can't wait to dive into that with you. I'm sure you've thought about it plenty, but um, man, yeah. I just I really appreciate you taking the time, Don. I know we're going to talk here soon, but uh, end the year strong, man, and and keep keep grinding, dude. Yeah, likewise, brother. This is this has been a ton of fun and. Uh, can't wait to talk more soon. And yeah, thanks to everybody for, for listening. I, 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 it's a, it's a privilege to be able to have a platform to, to chat and have a story that people are willing to listen to. And I don't take that lightly. So, so thank you. Anybody that's actually hung around for an hour and eight minutes now or whatever this is. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Don, be good, man. Peace everybody. Hey, thank you for watching today's episode. If you got something out of this, it would mean so much if you could just take a second and give us a rating on whatever platform you're watching it on. And it would mean so much to the world if you could just find one person that you think this message resonates with and you can share that with them. Thank you so much for your support. Looking forward to share the next episode with you.